Welcome to Oak City Church, a family of learners, lovers, and givers sent. For more information, visit us online at oakcitychurch.com. Let us know if we can help you in any way. Thank you for listening. You guys would pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, master of both light and darkness, send your Holy Spirit upon our preparation for Christmas. We who have so much to do seek quiet places to hear your voice each day. We who are anxious over many things look forward to your coming among us. We who are blessed in so many ways long for the complete joy of your kingdom. We whose hearts are heavy seek the joy of your presence. We are your people, walking in darkness yet seeking the light. To you we say, come, Lord Jesus. You guys may be seated. Welcome. I'm the Christmas search engine, and I can help you find anything related to... DIY Christmas decorations. Oh, okay. Um, Let's jump right in. Here we go. (laughs) What date Christmas this year? Uh, December 25th. What date Christmas next year? December 25th. Song that goes... I think I know what you're looking for. How cook ham. Okay. How cook ham fast? Uh... Oh, ham flamethrower recipe. Wait, what? Christmas present mom. Nice. Cheap. Nice. (coughs) What day Christmas 2035? Are you serious? Is Santa Claus real? Uh, You should maybe ask your parents about that. Gift wrap bowling ball. Please be careful. Custom dog Christmas. Sorry, what? Christmas dog custom cute. Oh, you mean costume? Christmas dog costume cute! Gift wrap accordion. Uh, That's gonna be tricky. Can I drink expired eggnog? No. What happens if drink expired eggnog? Why'd you even ask me in the first place? Dealing with relatives. Okay. Dealing with nosy relatives. Oh, well... Dealing with my nosy, overbearing relatives who won't stay out of my business. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, it's pretty much all the same stuff. (laughs) Gift wrap a saddle. Who are you buying this stuff for? Santa Claus riding a unicorn. Santa Claus riding a unicorn socks. Is that a thing? Search it up. Oh, wow. Here they are. Take my money. Norwegian tree skirts. How many lights, one outlet? Elf pajamas. Dog singing Christmas carols. (sighs) Oh, hello. What is Christmas really about? (laughs) I've got just the thing. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So, Jesus? Jesus. 
May I? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Fix burnt ham. Okay. Uh, you know what? Forget it. Pizza delivery Christmas Eve. <laughs> no problem. Merry Christmas. Thanks for being here with us tonight um, to celebrate the arrival of Jesus. And uh, what I've been thinking about, and part of the reason I love Christmas Eve is because I feel like it's an oasis of time to really think about the arrival of Jesus in the midst of a crazy, busy season. And so my question for you is, as we think about the arrival of Jesus, how do you feel about that? Like if you really spend a minute and slow down for a minute and ask yourself, how do I feel about the arrival of Jesus? Uh, how do you feel? Because I, I think it's a, hard, it's a hard time of year to feel. Um, in the midst of, of buying presents and buying the right presents and buying enough presents and wrapping the presents and end-of-year stuff for work and end-of-year stuff for school uh, and, and Christmas break so your kids are around more often and getting ready to travel to go see family or getting ready for family to come travel to you and, and all that that entails. Um, sometimes it feels like we've done everything possible to make it impossible to, to really feel uh, that Jesus has come from heaven to earth. Um, Weston preached last Sunday, and he used a quote about the baby Jesus not demanding much of us. I mean, this was the quote. The sweet baby Jesus story celebrates the lovable infant in his crib who's comfortable because he doesn't make demands on anyone. Most of the year he's in the closet with the rest of the nativity scene. So just a baby, pretty harmless asks a lot less of us um, than Easter Jesus hanging on a cross, or resurrected Jesus whose power over sin is, and death is so complete that death couldn't hold him. Uh, and, and God kind of makes his arrival that way, understated. Even the passage uh, that Jonathan read tonight um, in the beginning of Luke talks, starts with Caesar Augustus, uh, the king of the world at that time, and Herod the Great. And little Jesus is over in this corner of the world, and there's nothing to see here, nothing to pay attention to, really. Um, and yet now, the only reason that people talk about Caesar Augustus or Herod the Great is because they're reading this book about Jesus. Turns out he was a big deal, but God set it up as if to say, like, there's nothing to see here. But the people that were in the scenes saw something, and they knew it. Um, Luke tells us that the angels rejoiced. I kind of think that angels, like I like, I think that angels have seen everything, you know, like angels would be hard to, to, uh, to get to a point where they're excited about something because they kind of know what's coming, but the angels rejoiced when Jesus came. And the shepherds uh, glorified God and praised God. And the shepherds, they're like blue-collar guys, and blue-collar guys can be hard to get worked up about things, you know, but they were worked up about Jesus being born. And Mary, um, the Bible tells us, pondered these things and treasured them all up in her heart like she stored them up because she was getting an idea that she was in on something that was just so far beyond comprehension that she didn't know what to do with what was happening. And the wise men came and they were more formal in their worship, but they knew that worship was the appropriate response to what had happened. Um, and Herod was alarmed 
because he knew there were consequences to this thing. And Herod, it turns out, was so alarmed that he tried to kill Jesus. Uh, Simeon and Anna were in the temple, and there are these old people that have just been waiting for this to happen. And so when they finally see Jesus, they're like, yes, yes, he's finally here. And I don't know how they knew it, but they knew it. And they responded. So they responded. We should respond, right? And I don't know about you, but my response, I've thought these last few weeks, is less than what it ought to be. And I think in our culture, a lot of, we do everything we can to make it not that big of a deal. Um, we kind of whitewash Christmas. And a lot of people respond to Jesus. We take the supernatural out of Jesus. And so Jesus was a great guy, um, and Jesus was a teacher, but nobody gets super excited about seeing a great teacher, you know, or a good guy, or a good example. But that's where Jesus, where we've kind of pigeonholed Jesus, and people don't want to go overboard about Jesus. And so the born of a virgin, risen from the dead, the supernatural miracle stuff is, is difficult. Um, but the Jesus that doesn't have that stuff has no power. There's no power in that Jesus. Um, that's the Jesus that is in the closet with the nativity set for the rest of the year. And that Jesus isn't the Jesus that turned the world upside down. And so if we're not responding the right way, we're probably not thinking about the right Jesus. So I'm just going to read a few verses from the book of Luke tonight. A couple years ago, we preached through Luke, and the thing that I remember the most about it was at the beginning of that series, just reading through Luke and realizing the response that everybody had. And they're, they're expon- they're, they were extreme. They were either ecstatic about it, or they were scared about it, or angry about it, wanted to get rid of them. But they responded one way or the other. And I just want to open us up in these few minutes that we have to respond. So here are some of these verses. Jesus, at the age of 12, it says, All who, were, who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. After he was grown and started his ministry, it says that the religious leaders heard these things in the synagogue and they were filled with wrath at Jesus. They were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. It says, All were amazed. And said to one another, what is his word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. At one point, he tells Peter to put his nets out on one side of the boat and they catch more fish than they've ever caught in their lives. And when Simon Peter saw it, he goes to Jesus and he falls down on his knees at Jesus, or at Jesus' knees and says, depart from me for I am a sinful man. You are something different than me and we don't belong in the same place. It was his response. When those disciples brought their boats to land, they left everything to follow this Jesus. He was in one of the cities. A man full of leprosy came to him, and when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face, and he begged him, Lord, if you can, make me clean. But the scribes and the Pharisees began to question him, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And eventually they were filled with fury and disgust, with one another, what they might do to Jesus, how they could get rid of him. With his disciples, there's one instance where he, they're in a boat and he calms the, the storm that his disciples are caught in and so the, says the disciples were afraid and they marveled to one another, saying, who is this that he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him? After he heals a demon-possessed man, it says all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart for them. For they were seized with great fear because of what he had done. He heals a woman in a crowd, and the woman saw that she was not hidden. She came trembling and falling down before Jesus, declared in the presence of all the people why she touched him 
and how she'd been immediately healed. When Herod the Tetrarch, who was the son of Herod the Great, heard about all that was happening, he was perplexed. This is later in Jesus' life. The ruler of the synagogue was indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things and ridiculed Jesus. Eventually, they seized him and led him away, bringing him to the high priest's house. The men who were holding him in custody were mocking him as they beat him. They began to accuse him. They bring him before Pilate, and Pilate wants to release him, but the crowd kept shouting, crucify him. On the way to the cross, there was a multitude of people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. The people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him. The soldiers mocked him. And after he had died, a centurion who was overseeing his crucifixion and was at the foot of the cross saw what had taken place and praised God, saying, certainly this man was innocent. He knew something else had happened here. The crowds that had assembled for the spectacle when they saw it returned home beating their breasts. After they discovered the empty tomb, Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves. He went home marveling at what had happened. Later that day on the road to Emmaus, Jesus had been talking with two disciples who didn't recognize him, and then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he vanished. And they said, did our hearts not burn within us while he talked to us? When he appears to the twelve, it says they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And while he eats with them, it says they disbelieved for joy. Like they realized this is too good to be true, that he's alive and still with us. And after he ascended, it said they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, blessing God. But no one in the book of Luke meets Jesus and says, meh, teacher, that's not how people respond. We don't, we're not just celebrating like a cuddly little baby. Um, I came in and the Browns asked me to watch their baby for a minute. That is a cuddly little baby. See the Browns baby before you leave. Um, this is not just a cuddly little baby. Tonight we celebrate that the king of the universe, by whom and for whom and through whom, the Bible says all things were created, stepped out of heaven and into flesh to be among us on earth. The light came into our darkness. Feel that. Whatever it is that you feel tonight with Jesus, feel it. And it couldn't be anger. Maybe you don't want to feel it, but it's okay to be angry sometimes. If you're following Jesus like close and you're not angry sometimes, you probably don't get it. Uh, you can be confused at what's going on. Uh, you can be sad and grieving some things that have happened and bring all that to Jesus. Um, but it could just be joy. It could just be gratitude that tonight we celebrate that God loved us so much that he came from there to here so that we would never doubt the love that he has for us or his desire to be with us. And it could be a peace that comes from his presence being with us. For me, as I've thought about it the last um, few weeks, it's a renewed anticipation or a hope. Like Jesus has done a lot in my life, but I know I've sold him short, and there's a lot more that Jesus wants to do, and he's still on the move. I say this, too, if you're in the good guy Jesus camp, you should take a closer look at Jesus because I don't think you understand Jesus and you're missing out and everything that Jesus has for you and the point of the story and um, you should spend some more time with him and we'd love to help you out with that. 
I'm going to read one last verse. The band can come back up. We've got a couple songs that we're going to sing. Before the last song uh, begins, in between those two songs, we're going to light some, some candles, and then we'll move that around the room, and you'll have a chance to light those candles as a way of remembering the light who has come into the world. Uh, but I'm going to read this verse from Isaiah, which gives us a sense of the magnitude of what we remember tonight. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Father, tonight we remember that you came into a world uh, that was full of darkness, that you come into our lives that are full of darkness, Lord, and that you are a light and you don't want to leave us in the darkness, Lord. And you started something 2,000 years ago when you brought your son into this world that is continuing to go, Lord. And when Jesus proclaimed the gospel, he said the kingdom of heaven is at hand and the kingdom of heaven is at hand tonight because of what Jesus has done. Father, I pray that you'd help us never to get used to that and that you would renew something in us tonight, Lord, uh, that we would feel something towards you, Lord, um, and that you would meet us in whatever that is and move us forward, Lord. We're grateful for what we celebrate tonight. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name.